DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by TV's Craig Bowlerjack. His weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Hey, good morning. Bowler, 22-2 in the last 24 games. And I know the Lakers are shorthanded, and AD's a massive loss. And they were missing two starters, and so that matters. But they ran, yeah. yeah, they ran the Lakers off the floor like they've run a bunch of other teams off the floor. This is the kind of thing that sports fans always dream of. You probably dreamed of your Chiefs doing to teams for decades and it never <laughs> happened. And then it happens and you can barely bleep and believe it. And you don't want to believe it because you're afraid you're going to get hurt. But at some point you buy in and your Chiefs did get the ultimate prize one time. A couple of hideous losses, you know, so one out of three. But it's been a great three-year run. How far in should Jazz fans be jumping with this team? Because they haven't seen anything like this since Stockton and Malone's glory days. Yeah, it's a, like a generational uh, yeah. thing. Um, you know, I, I've always, you know, Ricky Rubio says it best, never too high, never too low, right, when he was here. And I've always kind of thought that was a pretty smart approach. And I think you just will have to, you know, wait and see how this turns out. Second half of the season, uh, you know, just came out yesterday, the schedule that is. And the Jazz uh, take off for a four-game road trip today, and they got to play back-to-back Miami, Orlando on on Friday, Saturday. But you know they've got an incredible road record, one of the top three in the NBA, and they're looking at their home record. They've just absolutely dominated teams. I think that's the key word here. They're dominating, not just winning, but dominating. I read an article this morning on ESPN.com talking about the fears of teams that play like this meaning do you peak too early? And that was one of the the things about the Jazz. Is this team going to be able to sustain, uh, you know, this type of play? Look, uh, you can't predict the future, but, look, you have to be realistic that 22 of 24 and winning 26 of your first 32 games, either two things happen. You you begin to kind of come back down to reality and you flatten out a little bit, or you just have – an incredible special season that's been put together, then you have to decide how this is going to work out in the playoffs. But, oh, man, for me personally, um, it's it's an incredible thing to be a part of. And we both covered, you know, we know what the NBA finals are like in 97 and 98. And, um, you know, those were special with Carl and John and Hornacek and Coach Sloan. And now you have an opportunity to, to have another special year with a couple of all-stars and a head coach who's headed to Atlanta to coach the West. I mean, pretty good in jazz land right now. But I still have to just kind of sit back as I've been kind of through this, as we all have, and you kind of know the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows. Uh, You just have to kind of, you know, let this play itself out. But, man, it's fun right now. And they're very talented, by the way. This isn't a fluke. Let me put it that way. Uh, what they're doing is dismantling teams on both ends of the floor. And also, if one thing isn't going their way, whether it's paint, rim, or three, they're actually able to find what's working and then dismantle teams. And I think that's what's the most impressive part about this season so far. I think as I look at the box score of the Laker game, the thing that impresses me most is nobody did anything even close to extraordinary, and yet they still won by 25. Yeah, PK, you get six players in double figures, and let's read through it because it's a 48-point performance by the bench. The other part of it, too, just 12 turnovers. 
and it's just solid. You know, nothing fancy in the paint, 38. Fast break points, 21. But here's the other stat that just, you know, drives teams crazy right now. Uh, what, first time in history that a team has gone back-to-back games and combined for 50 three-pointers. And so you go 22 of 48 last night, and, and you hit 46% of your shots from behind the three-point line. Man, that is difficult in the world we live in today. You know, I love Locke, and I love talking to him about stats, and that's, you know, but he's, he's taught me a, a big lesson, man. PK, hang with me here. Three is more than two. And I've always been, I've been kind of old school in the sense of I love still the, the beauty of the game and, you know, going inside the old days of Malone and, and just taking teams apart with physicality. But, look, we're looking at what really is real, and the league has changed drastically. Not overnight, man, but it's been a pretty quick transition over the last few years, and the Jazz have followed suit. And you hit numbers like that, you just you just have a hard time as the opponent beating teams. And the Jazz have – that's why they had six players in double figures last night. They just have a, a, an assortment of players who can just come at you. And I think Jordan Clarkson is really a big key here. I mean, we saw him for just a minute before COVID hit last year, and then we saw him in the bubble. But, man, I think Clarkson has, has been a huge, a huge factor – that gives the Jazz another dimension they just haven't had. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You mentioned this uh, road trip they've got coming up, uh, the four games. It starts with a back-to-back. The last time they went out on the road after the loss to Denver, they had a uh, they had a road trip where they started back-to-back and it left them pretty gassed in Indiana, and they had to grind out a win. Do you think that's going to be a problem in this or is this in this trip, or do you think this is another thing where – they learn from it, they handle it a little differently, and it's not as hard to play through this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think they're going to have to look. Any team who's going to win this thing, West, East, uh, and the NBA championship, the way that the next half of the season is going to come at you fast because there's multiple back-to-backs, which is something the league was trying to get away from last year. But because of the uh, truncated season, what, 72 games, and they have to push it through through May 16th and then the playoffs on the 22nd. So a lot of basketball to be played after they come back from Atlanta. But to your point, DJ, I tell you, this this road trip's intriguing because Miami's playing really well. They've won four in a row, knocked off Toronto last night. Then you go to Orlando. Then it's kind of weird. You have to slide back across to New Orleans, and then you go back to Philadelphia. That's a bizarre kind of trip in my mind. Miami, Orlando, over to New Orleans and then back up east the coast to Philly, but that's typical in the NBA. Um, so I think it's a challenging trip. You start and end with a couple of teams that are going to try to fight for, you know, high level playoff positions and what Philly's doing right now. They're, you know, they're not what people ex- are expecting or have expected, but still a lot of basketball left to be played with Embiid and company. And, you know, uh, those back-to-backs, you know, everyone always says, like, Harper and T, sometimes when you're playing well, the more the merrier. I mean, you just kind of want to get through it and don't let the, the, the momentum stop, so to speak. I think that's kind of where the Jazz are now. Uh, but my my, I, I think when I look ahead, how do you do you cool off during the All-Star break, guys, or do you try to, you know, what do you do to keep the focus and then restart the second half of the season? as the best team in the NBA. 
And that's what's going to be really intriguing, too, is because you come home and start one game with Houston, then you have a five-game road trip to start the second half. That's a pretty good challenge, and I think another test um, and probably another indicator, really, for where the Jazz will be when they come back uh, after the All-Star break. Don't get ahead of ourselves. we got shows to do, so we'll be talking about uh, <laughs> that coming up. Yeah, I wanna... I, you know what, PK, I, for some reason, man, when that thing came out yesterday, I mean, I just kind of like peruse, peruse, and then you go, wow, wow, what's this going to be? How's it going to impact? Because we're so close. Never has happened where you give one half of the season and they hand you another one. Uh, you know, it's almost like a, a little gift you unwrap when you but, start but, looking at schedules. But, Bowler, don't you think that, you know, we always talk about what's going to change temporarily because of the pandemic and what changes permanently. And yeah. the TV partners are like, well, yeah, let's find out why, why should we get stuck with games with teams that have injuries and aren't as good? And why should we miss out on teams that suddenly take off? Why not do the schedule in halves? It's the same for everybody. Everybody was blindsided yeah. by the second half schedule, and the degree that helps everyone make more money off network TV. Well, it's a business. What? Why not do this going forward? You know, I think there's a lot of things that are going to change. You know, I still think that you're going to see teams, you know, park themselves in a city and play, you know, two game series and then depart. I think that's something that's going to come out of this uh, the COVID. Um, you know the 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 two years of COVID, the two seasons where they've had to change things up. Uh, you know the Jazz are going to play the Lakers uh, in two day, two two games and three nights in L.A. in the second half of the season. That's going to be a real intriguing, you know, two day two game run in in L.A. And I think you're right, man. Why not? Why not? Uh, why not have two two seasons, two parts? And it, I think it's really kind of an intriguing idea because, again, for the networks, I'd be all for it, right? Because you kind of know now what teams you want to focus on instead of, you know, putting yourself in a in a hole with a bad game on the on the second game of a national doubleheader on TNT or ESPN. So it may, I think there's a lot of things that are going to come out of this. I really do. I think scheduling, um, and I think you'll see still some back-to-backs, obviously, but I think you'll see, like in baseball, you just set in a city and play a couple of games, and that's really where you get your rest, where you don't have to get on a plane and travel right after the right after a game. So I guess we'll wait and see, but it sounds uh, like it could be pretty productive. So the Jazz wave a player. I think they got a couple of roster spots open. Fill them with G League, or do you think they're setting themselves up for a potential move? You know, PK, I tell you, a lot of teams, you know, They'll have a couple of spots, and they wait and see, right? The second half of the season, they may want help. They may want another I don't know, They want another shooter. They may want another forward. Uh, they want, uh, you know, somebody can come off the bench and, again, another just another shot in the arm. But, you know, maybe that's just the way that they're going to set themselves up for the ability to make a move. Shaq Harrison. I never got to see that much. I mean, he played just those closing minutes of multiple blowout games. But I know they brought him in because of some uh, defensive hopes for him, but just not enough room. Uh, you know, when the young guys get out there, i got to be honest, you know, the Jarrell Brantleys, the Dewan Morgans, the Miguelones. I mean, the Jazz have a – to your point, PK, I don't know if they want another G League type guy or a two-way. You only can have two, granted. But I don't know if they want to just bring in another guy to – um, develop, so to speak. I think that if they did fill a roster spot, it would be someone that could probably, you know, come in and be a, play a factor in what the Jazz do in the in the second half of the season. That's just a guess. 
I think those scenarios are all realistic. I mean, one of them might play out. The one you didn't mention is what about going out and signing someone that another team desperately needs to block that team from getting them? Put that on the great, list. Great point. I like it. You know, be uh, go out and block and be a spoiler. Yeah, yeah, could be could be one of the, the one of the uh, chess pieces that uh, the Jazz will use. It'll be entry. You know, I think the second half. You know, again, we haven't got to, to PK's point. There's still four tough road games ahead. Uh, but how do you how do you restart coming out of the you know out of the gate? And you're right. What kind of roster moves would you make to help or hinder someone else's run to the playoffs? Craig Bowler, Jack, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, Bowler, you're gonna miss uh, you're gonna miss a trip to Florida in February. I'm sorry. This would be the yeah, downside. There's some upsides, but this yeah. would be the downside. Yeah, yeah, just uh, flying into Miami and feeling that cool breeze, you know. And PK, you should be going because you got to take your talent to South Beach. <laughs> <laughs> PK and Jimmy Buffett. Oh, I can hear it now. A concert, sipping on a little lemonade, and PK just singing with that shirt. You know that. You know P- DJ. You know that shirt he's got. That Jimmy Buffett looking shirt, the Tommy Bahama look. <laughs> All right, Bowler, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll hear you on the call Friday night. All right, guys. Talk soon. All right, there's Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. And his weekly interview is brought to you by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. With 16 neighborhood health centers, U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. Mike Weir, former Masters champ, talking about his career on the Champions Tour and Tiger Woods next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, The Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Scheduled to chat with Mike Weir here in a few minutes. Uh, But first, let's get to the... News of the day as we recap everything you missed in this show. There was a lot going on. PK, we talked uh, we talked in the six and seven o'clock hours about the uh, the story that broke yesterday about six o'clock with Elijah Millsap, the former Jazz guard, tweeting out allegations that then GM Dennis Lindsay made a bigoted comment to him during an exit interview in 2015, allegedly saying, "Quote: If you say one more word, I'll cut your black ass and send you back to Louisiana." Close quote. Lindsay, uh, multiple denials to multiple media outlets. I categorically deny making that statement. Quinn Snyder said postgame, honestly, I don't remember the conversation. I can't fathom Dennis saying something like that. Rudy Gobert was asked about it. Uh, there are only three players interviewed in the Zoom postgame. You know, there aren't that many team players left from the 2015 team. Rudy was one, is one of them, and he said he was close with Elijah and had never heard that before. And he said it was six years ago, and he kind of shrugged when he said it, like, that's a long time is kind of the implication. And he said he would be reaching out to Elijah. And I suppose the next thing in this story, wherever this is going, is hearing what Rudy hears from Elijah. 
Uh, I don't know that many people know what to make about this. There's probably more questions than answers off the little bit we've heard so far. Yeah, I guess so. We'll see how it develops. Yeah. All right. I want to touch on that for a moment. Mike Weir is now on the line, and he joins us. Mike Weir, former Masters champ, now on the PGA Champions Tour. Join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike, good morning. Morning, DJ PK. How you guys doing? We are doing all right. Uh, we had wanted right. to have you on with the golf season getting all fired up and, and to talk about you. And then, obviously, golf went right to the forefront a couple days ago uh, with the news of Tiger Woods' uh, wreck. And we know, obviously, you know Tiger, and I don't even know how many tournaments you would have played together or how many practice rounds you would have played together. But it must have been horrific just seeing the video of that car. That was just awful. You didn't need to be told anything. Seeing that car, it just had to go right to the pit of your stomach. Yeah, it did actually. Um, you know, I was I was down here in Tucson, or I am down here in Tucson. I was on the golf course and <clears throat> I was checking my phone for something, and I saw the kind of the feed come across there. So I didn't see the picture until later. But my, you know, my first thoughts were, I, geez, I hope is it life threatening. What, what's what's happened? Um, I just heard saw that it was a single car wreck, and you know, immediately I just thought of him and um, hoping he was okay. And then seeing, as you said, DJ, you know, seeing the car after. Um, Man, he, uh, you know, he, I know they're pretty severe injuries, but yeah, it could have could have been a lot worse. So, um, you know, I, 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 was, I was watching the news this morning. They said it was a, a talus bone injury to his right foot, and and actually my my ex wife had a very um, severe talus bone horse accident where the bone was exposed. You know, her foot was smashed severely by this horse, and. Uh, but, you know, just thinking in my head now how she's recovered and she's leading a normal life. So I'm hoping th- that for him going forward. What was the time frame for uh, your ex-wife as far as when she had the injury and how long did it take before she got back to normal? Yeah, it was, it was you know, a good six to eight months. You know, it was, mm-hmm. a, you know, a pretty reconstructive surgery at the start and, and worried about infection as they are with Tiger. And, um, you know, and then it was it was after the surgery, um, a lot of time just laid up for a while. I can't remember quite the time frame, maybe four to six weeks. And then it was on to a knee scooter, um, you know, getting the, getting the cast off, getting, getting things going, you know, maybe a couple of months later where the rehab started and things. So, um, you know, I think she, you know, cold weather and things like that, she still feels like the plate in her foot. I think they're, they put some screws and some things and tiger's foot, it sounds like. So, that's something I'll have to live with. I don't. I don't think those will ever come out. So, I'm. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know the specifics, but I, I'm just referring to 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 Brisi and my ex-wife, and she. You know, that's something that would never come out of her foot. Um, so it's something she's had to deal with, and I think it is leading a pretty pretty normal life and pretty still active life. And uh, you know, that's 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 what's kind of running through mine as I as I saw it was on the news this morning, hoping that that's uh, the outcome for him. Uh, too soon for you to uh, reach out and text with him or anything like that. Yes, yeah, I, I uh, you know, haven't haven't um, touched base with him at all or anything. So just like everybody else, just wishing he and his family the best, and hopefully he's just recovering well and know that uh, you know that's that's a tough-minded guy right there, and knowing that um, he'll do everything he can and, and then some to uh, to recover and. I think, you know, as Rory McIlroy said, you know, I think golf's furthest thing from people's mind, but, you know, hope he's just, you know, lives a pain-free life. You know, hopefully, you know, the other thing I was thinking in my head that, you know, he's recovering from back surgery. Hopefully it didn't do any damage to his back, and that isn't a setback either, hopefully. 
so yeah, just hoping for his health. I mean, that's that's the main thing right now. And you know, maybe a few months down the road, start start looking at you know what what that recovery looks like as far as what, what golf might look like down the road. So you've had literally an eyewitness spot basically for the bulk of Tiger's prime because you and him Mm -hmm. you're not too far away in age so you were right there and you've seen the tremendous growth of golf as a sport and the prize money and all the stuff that Tiger brought and it's a tough thing to sum it up but could you put into words what Tiger has meant for your sport oh man I mean I liken it to the days when you know TV was just uh, becoming part of uh, of golf with Arnold Palmer and uh, the growth of the game with Arnold Palmer, you know, back in the, the late 50s and 60s and how the game really grew with Arnold Palmer. Um, obviously, I wasn't around during that time, but, I, you know, it was an explosion when Tiger came on the scene in the in the mid-90s. Um, we all benefited from it. Uh, PK, I mean, you know, the prize money went up. You know, I was there at a time when my game started to ascend pretty good so i benefited from that uh, uh sponsorships and and all all the things that go along with that um you know people were interested in golf people thought golf was cool when you had you know this this type of athlete you know tiger really bought, brought a a certain amount of athleticism to the game um that um you know maybe was lacking in the past and now as you can see that the boom in the game is as there's tons of athletes in golf now and i think tiger's you know, a big part of that um, so, you know, he he's, you know, in a way transcended the game to a different level. People who maybe don't follow golf follow golf because of Tiger, you know, not just the core golf fans, but he brought a new um, energy into the game and, and new fans along with it. So, yeah, he was huge for the game of golf or is huge for the game of golf. So you mentioned the, uh, you know, Tiger's back and, and how that's going. And, and obviously there were people when Tiger was younger saying that is awesome what he does off the tee, but no mm-hmm. back can sustain that. When you see all the guys and how far they're hitting it now, are there guys you look at and think that's awesome, but how long can you sustain that? And are there guys who hit it a long way and have a swing and maybe you think they can sustain this? Yeah, that's a great point. I think there are swings you wonder sometimes, but, you know, you know the big lash swings that guys have, you know, uh, uh, DeChambeau and Jason Day, how they how hard they go at it, and then you see effortless power um, by, by certain players out there. Um, so those type of swings maybe um, you, you might think in your head might, might last a little bit longer, but yet at the same time I think the guys – really understand how uh, recovery, how important recovery is. And I think guys are spending a lot more time in recovery, uh, doing ice baths and doing all the e-stims and all. They have their their, uh, physical therapists out with them. So after the round, even after putting their body through a lot of hard swings like that, they're they're doing a lot of rehab after the round. They're not, uh, you know, back in the day going to to dinner with their buddies and having a few drinks like like the old school guys. (laughs) They're doing the rehab and, and probably getting room service in the room and getting a lot of sleep and recovering. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, this this era of, of guys hitting a long way um, will will last. I, I seem to think it will. I mean, I think it's um, I think guys can have a long career as long as they take care of themselves. And um, I think the biomechanics, what we know, and, and movement patterns, what we know, and um, I think guys can work around maybe little subtle injuries that they might get. And I think they have a 
most guys have a, a good team around them to kind of, just like they would in the NBA, when guys get a little nicked up and a little something, they, they sit out for a little bit. Um, I think guys maybe do that a little bit more in golf now. So what was going on with that Zoom interview you were doing and it ended up like a talking dog or something? <laughs> that was that was kind of parody, I guess. This, there was this video that the, the PGA Tour champions wanted to do, um, I guess some viral video that went out where there was a judge and a lawyer talking about a case on a Zoom call and popped up on his screen. He was a cat. And he was like, Judge, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what's going on here, but there's this filter on here of a cat. And uh, it was this thing that, you know, in that room kind of went viral. And the tour's like, hey, will you do this uh, parody on that? So that's what it was. Oh, okay. It was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, what is your plan? We had you on a while back, and you were talking about looking ahead to your career on the Champions Tour and that and getting out there and playing. What is, what is your plan for 2021, assuming 2021 is a little more normal than 2020? Yeah, I mean, just – just kind of keep going, keep progressing in the things that I'm, I'm working on in my game. And, uh, you know, we have 23 to 25 events, I believe, on the Champions Tour schedule this year. So I'll probably play most of those. Sprinkled in a couple of PGA Tour events, obviously the Masters. And hopefully if we're able to have the Canadian Open up in June in Toronto, that's a bit up in the air. Um, so, you know, some, somewhere in the, in the low to mid-20 tournaments I'll play this year and yeah, I mean, I'm just enjoying the the competition out here. The guys uh, seeing some old familiar faces here on the Champions Tour, and played a practice round with DJ uh, day before yesterday, and you know, hitting balls with Ernie and Jim Furyk yesterday, having a few laughs. So it's it's fun to be out here on the Champions Tour, guys that are that I've known for a long time, and um, so yeah, but keep working on the game, trying to get a win here, hopefully. So we saw the other day Tony Finau standing over about a six- or seven-foot putt to win it. You've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. He didn't make it. He loses in the next hole, obviously. Uh, if mm-hmm. he were to come to you and say, hey, Mike, what 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 kind of counsel could you give me? Because obviously he's going to be in that situation again and again and again because he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting uh thing for Tony. I mean, I remember my first few times uh, in the mix trying to win. It's it's difficult and then you, you, you finally break through and you almost have this relief and you know, Tony's such a good player and he's putting himself in so many positions. It's it's bound to just kind of fall in his lap where someone stumbles and he wins one. Um, it hasn't happened yet or there's going to be a time where he, he played great Sunday and it's just going to uh, pull ahead and win. So you know, when you're standing over a putt like that, you just try to calm your breath. You try to take a, a deep breath, try to calm your nerves, um, and really try to not think of the outcome. You try to get focused on what you're doing. And, you know, if that putt, you know, that putt was a little left or right putt, you try to get your attention really on your spot and having full commitment to that putt and not thinking about anything else. Um, now, I know he's probably worked very hard on that, that, those sort of things, but that's what I would tell him. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. He, it looks like he's he's putting really well. He putted great. I know that's something he's worked very hard on. But his overall game looks so solid, and uh, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets one. But it's it's frustrating when you're not getting it done. There's no doubt about it. There's probably no one more frustrated than him. Um, so, um, yeah, I just I I hope that's that's what he thinks about next time he's in contention is to really get committed. Not, you know, turn out tune out the the what ifs what if i i miss this or if i make it i win all that kind of stuff is just interference you know you get really focused on 
on what you're doing and the process and, and pick your spot and commit to it. That's where you have your best chance of a good outcome. So everybody's career arc is a little different and everybody goes through slightly different challenges, but when you're where he is and he's so close, and if anything, he inched even closer because, I mean, you know, Riviera, that, that's a pretty big name on the PGA Tour and he shot a 64 mm-hmm. on Sunday. And that is a mm-hmm. heck of a number. And it feels like he's inching even closer. But when you're that close, how much of it is physical and how much of it is mental? Well, I think it's it's probably a mental thing at this point. You know, he has all the physical tools. He hits all the shots. He's he's putting well. I think every his whole whole game is very well rounded now, which is uh, which is a recipe for putting yourself where he is week in a week out. He's right in contention. So, you know, it's it's got to be a subtle mental thing. Uh, it could be just something very very slight. Um, this game's just, you know, it can be just a very slight thing that can make all the difference in the world. Like that's a simple mindset of just being a little bit more committed. You know, if you're, you know, you you kind of think, let's say a putt is, you know, six inches outside the left and you're over it and you're like, oh, I'm just going to play it a little more. If you think of that right at impact, that's not being as committed as you could be. Um, so subtle little differences like that in the mindset of just like, nope, that's my spot. Six inches outside the left. I'm just going to hit it right there. That's a more decisive uh, decision. And that could be all the difference from making the putt and missing the putt. So. It might be something as simple as that. Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it, but um, I, he, like you said, he's he's inching ever so close. And uh, who knows when he when he knocks one off here, he could the floodgates could open and he could win ten tournaments in the next couple of years. He has that kind of talent. So um, yeah, I'm hoping that for him. I hope he just makes those subtle adjustments. And you could tell over the years he's making adjustments in his game to improve. So you know, he's got a great coach and he's got a great team. I, I'm sure they're going to figure this out. Are they, letting, are they letting fans out on the course to watch you guys play now? Uh, not this week in Tucson. No. Um, I'm not sure what that's – I was just asking the other day if uh, if we have any plans of that going forward, but it doesn't, doesn't look like it so far. Uh, I'm hoping here as we move into uh, yeah. later later spring and summer we'll, we'll, you know, we'll start to loosen some of that up and get some fans. Do you have uh, pro-ams early in the week, or is it strictly practice rounds with tour players and that's the only – that's all. That's all. Was on the course. Yeah, practice was uh, t- Monday and Tuesday, and then uh, I I played the pro am yesterday. There's pro ams. There was pro am yesterday. Another one today. And actually, as we were talking here, a tour official just texted me and said Fred Couples' back is not doing good. Could I fill in for him today? <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's Freddie's been dealing with a bad back, so maybe I might have to play the pro am again today to cover for Freddie. But um, usually, the the two days prior to the start of the tournament are uh, pro am days. Well, Mike, you're in Tucson. You know, I'm an ASU grad, so I want you to stay away from the U of A campus because there's a lot of toxic <laughs> chemicals over there. <laughs> I'll tell Furek. Jim Furek's an Arizona alumni. I'll tell him I'm, I'm steering clear. I understand Phil's going to be there, though, isn't he? He is. Phil's playing this week as well. Yeah. Uh, great field this week. You know, Ernie's here and Furek, Phil, uh, Longer. Yeah, it's a really good field. I'll be checking it out. I've been curious about this since I was watching the uh, the made-for-TV stuff with everybody mic'd up last summer. Did Phil mm. really turn up the juice because he knew he was on camera and he's mic'd up, or is that how he is all the time? On like uh, so, talking, what, talking, yapping on the, on the, yeah. on the match when he yeah, and he's you know and like that, activate yeah. my calves and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think he does that when we're playing out here, but uh, he he likes to. Uh, to tune it up a little bit when the when the microphone gets on, especially in those made for TV things, and um, 
yeah, he he does that. That's that's his whole, I guess, Instagram thing is a uh, his calves. He talks about his calves all the time. So <laughs> you know, Phil Phil's uh, Phil's a lot of fun. He uh, he likes to make light of himself, which is which is great. And uh, you know, he's good at it. You know, I think uh, you know who knows. They've been there's been a lot of chatter about him being in the broadcast booth yeah, here yeah. in the not too uh, distant future. So he'd be really good at it. And he's he's good at us. He's got a great mind for the game. So he'd be he'd be a great analyst of. Uh, of the tour for the tour for sure. Uh, there was a time once when, uh, and I know he'd be good at a hundred percent. He'd be good at it. And if you ever uh, are killing time with him, ask him about uh, the time he and Sean Salisbury got into it on the radio over football picks. And then he ended up being right. And Salisbury ended up getting oh, annihilated boy. with Dan Patrick. He'll remember. Oh, really? Oh, it's an awesome story. Dan Patrick was saying that he, I think he picked the Vikings and he was breaking down why. And Salisbury is like, you know, I'm a pro football player. Don't break it. Pick whoever you want, but don't break it down for me. Well, I think it was the Vikings that Phil picked. They were in the game. And I think the Vikings ran the opening kickback for a touchdown and then blew out whoever they were playing. And Dan Patrick said his voicemail started filling up when the return guy was at midfield. It was at the time. It was epic. I'm sure Phil could regale you with that story in great detail. Oh yeah, I'll ask him about it for yeah. sure. All right. Well, Mike, we appreciate the time. We appreciate. Uh, I know a lot of people here still track your career and what you're doing. I love hearing about you. And obviously, everybody was, uh, you know, just you know, has rooted for Tiger for a long time. Is hoping for the best for mm-hmm. him now. So thanks for coming on right now on kind of short notice. We appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure, guys. No okay. problem. Yeah, well, Mike, we're, we're all pulling for Tiger. Thanks. Yeah. Mike Weir, he's on the PGA Champions Tour now, former Cougar, and obviously a Canadian who's looking forward to playing in the Canadian Open, and a former Masters champ as well. And a guy who's golfed with PK. Yeah! I like to think of it more the other way. <laughs> I know, with, I know. That's I've golfed with him. <laughs> yeah, right? Hey, it's my life dream to play with him now. I need to make it number. I didn't there you go. my chance at it. All right, DJ PK, we got to take a break. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Beating the Lakers is amazing, especially when you have to sit there and listen to all the excuses the Lakers fan give for losing. The Jazz need to do that in the playoffs in L.A., but when they're done, they need to walk out on the court with just their socks on. Every single player, including Quinn Snyder. Michael Conley did something amazing. He got me to shut up. I have the biggest mouth of anyone I know. I have the biggest mouth on the open mic. I have the biggest mouth in the stands when I'm a fan. And he did it. I love the the open mic. (laughs) There's so much passion out there. So he wants the guys to walk out in just socks? I don't understand that. I don't understand. I looked at Yuck. Yuck doesn't understand it either. None of us make any sense of that. (laughs) Guys are supposed to strip down and walk around in their socks? That doesn't sound like a good idea. Uh, oh, no, that's a little bizarre. Just thinking about one thing on that, uh, the you take your shoes off like a wrestler and put them on the I was mat. Say, is that is it the wrestling? Is it the wrestling reference? You're gonna retire. I don't know what is the reference is, but you want to win the title before you retire. You're walking out there in just your socks. I yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. Someone needs to explain it to me. Oh, we got a lot of people tweeting at us. The Jazz look awesome in February. Dean says, "Wait until that defense tightens up come playoff time." You have a short memory. What de- whose defense is tightening up? Uh, it's a whole long conversation, I just realized. How sweet is it to hammer the Lakers under any circumstances? The question. Snazzy Coog says, it's just the Lakers. The Clippers are the team that concerns me. Ryan says, nah, we have their number in the playoffs. Snazzy says, this isn't bubble ball. 
And then Dean jumped in with the Jazz look awesome in February. Wait until the defense comes up playoff time. You have a short memory. I think that's someone saying, hey, the Jazz, look how, look how things went south for them in a hurry in the playoffs last year. They have 3-1. Things tightened up and they lost. Yeah, I would really ignore last year's playoffs and take nothing from it. The bubble, there were no road games and there were no fans, and that's two enormous changes from every other playoff ever. Yeah, team's better. They got bogey. On and on. Yep. All right, more feedback coming in. Uh, (laughs) I've been in Mike Weir's Draper home for work. He has the sickest golf simulator I've ever seen. You can dial up any 18 holes anywhere in the world. Pro golfer, that's a work investment. He doesn't live in Draper anymore. Uh, Somebody else has a sick golf simulator then. Uh, Well, it could have been his prior home. He could have taken it with him. Uh, he's moved. He's he moved north a little bit. Uh, I know that. So great. That that would be awesome. Yeah. To, to it was a lot of fun just to be around. He's a great guy, and just to be on the golf course with a Masters champion was. Uh, I just wish my father was alive, man. I wish I would have been able to talk to him about it because my father's the reason why I'm into golf. Uh, because he was very much into golf for sure, and so he passed it down to me. So. One other thing I wanted to bring up, I just saw something, uh, I don't know if how to the degree of uh, credibility, but saying that the uh, Raptors and Sixers might be making a deal with Kyle Lowry going to Philly, which would affect the Jazz if that thing is moved, if that move is made here over the weekend. Uh, Kyle could be in that lineup for Philly on uh, Wednesday. I don't know that it'll happen, but uh, something to keep your eye out there. And obviously he's a real good player and would help Philadelphia. That is the last stop on the four-game road trip for the Jazz before the All-Star break. Philly and Wednesday. I'm excited for that game, too. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what they'd be getting back. He's in the last year of his deal. He's making $30 million. He's 34 years old. Uh, Van Vliet and Siakam seem like the future for Toronto, unless they make a bunch of other deals. I guess you never know these days, but as their roster is currently constituted there. Well, I wouldn't think they'd be getting back Embiid. Good call, PK. <laughs> Excellent point by you. All right, we'll let Hans and uh, Scotty figure out what might be happening there. We're out of time. DJ and PK, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 6 to 10, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.